When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDM Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. We are going to try to get through tiers 10 through tier 5 here on the show. And if we get through all of them, then tiers 4, 3, 2, and 1 will be on Monday's show. If not, whatever we have left over will kick off Monday's show. I'm going to waste little time, gentlemen, because tier 10 comes out punching because we got some conversations to have about some of these names on this list jamie's already fighting with the fantasy community he's got his hands ready to go wide receiver 100 for jamie sammy watkins 99 rondell moore 98 jameson crowder 97 amari rogers 96 Dwayne eskridge anthony miller 95 james washington 94 and kj hamler 93 and i think the biggest name here in this tier that we need to have a conversation about jamie is sammy watkins wide receiver 100 yeah. What has he done in the checks notes ever? <clears throat> checks notes ever. Nothing. I like this. That's a big name at 100, man. But I, I couldn't have him higher than that. No. And, and, battle every year of like, oh, do we pick him up? We're so desperate this week. And you pick him up and he does nothing. Yeah, look, he's got a, he's got an extended injury history. So I don't have him projected, um, you know, for a full season. I think just given the way that offense is going to operate. And again, keep in mind, you know, even with some of the additions on this team, the Baltimore Ravens are probably, even with 17 games, around that like 440, 450 pass attempts mark. So there's just not going to be that much target share to have. You know, Marquise Brown took a, a vast majority of that target share. I think Rashad Bateman's going to come in and get a significant, at least a fairly significant amount of work himself. So Sammy Watkins, to me, is probably – maybe he starts the year technically as the number three pass-catching option, but he's really going to end up being number four when you also factor in Mark Andrews as well. 
there just aren't that many targets to go around. And if you look at Mark Andrews last last two years, he has a target share of just under twenty five percent. You know, you look at uh, last year for Marquise Brown, he had a target share just under twenty five percent. I think that drops a little bit for him. I think he's probably closer to twenty percent, but he's the wide receiver one there. You have Mark Andrews. At best, Watkins starts the year as the third pass catching option on a team that's going to throw the ball 440 times, and that soon he's going to end up being the fourth option on that team. I just don't think he's going to have the volume to be fantasy relevant. But uh, you know, he sneaks in here at you know at 100 and end up doing uh, a little bit, almost close to 110 total projections to kind of get to this point. I just he's a bigger name than he's going to actually be fantasy value for you, which again for what feels like the fifth year in a row. I'll save you the percentages. If you sucked with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, how do we expect you to be better with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback? That like, too. Simple. Chris, you're muted. Uh, I, I believe as the host of the show, you should check to see whether your mic works or not. Ouch. Hi, Chris. Do you want to talk? Did you did you find out how to unmute yourself, Chris? <clears throat> Apparently, so. you did not find out how to unmute yourself because you continue to I talk. I've three times that have attempted to talk here, and I just there can't do go. it. And I'm leaving all of that in because I have Chris, no Chris, do you want to know why I have Jamison Crowder this low? Is that is that your next question? So I, think I was, he gets cut. I, I was just going to say that I don't know if there's many more big storylines to take away here in Tier 10, and we have a lot of names to get to. But I will say I was at least going to ask that you have Jamison Crowder this low because you don't think he's a New York Jet, right? That's, that's literally the – that's literally the yeah. only reason why you would have him here because if he's on the Jets and you know he's playing this season, he's higher than 98. A little bit, yeah, but like that's still not ideal for him. His best scenario is to actually probably get cut and go somewhere else, but I can't really project what he's going to be uh, because right now he's holding out. I don't think he's going to start the year on the Jets, and I don't know how that situation is going to play out. So right now he's, quite frankly, again, we talked about this on previous shows, the biggest part of his fantasy value over the last few years was just the ridiculous amount of target share that Sam Darnold threw his way. I, you know, he's going to be hurt by not having that regardless, but I can't really, he's not good enough for me to say, I'm going to take a chance or even a flyer on him right now until I know where, what the situation turns out to be. I'm going to keep saying this until it freaking happens. There's going to be a receiver that ends up on the Chargers as the other side of Keenan <laughs> Allen. I would love to see Jamison Crowder there as well because then I'm really liking it. I got him a lot higher than 98. 99 is my question. Chris, Shubes, yes. all the fans, they think Rondell Moore is the savior and he's going to have 200 catches and 4,000 yards. 99, Jane. Yeah, I think he has like 30 catches. No, but he's, <laughs> he might have 200 catches over five seasons. I just I, I don't see a huge year one impact for Rondale Moore. Uh, I mean, the reality is, is you you have obviously the the target hog in that offense is going to be DeAndre Hopkins as it should be. You have Christian Kirk there for as long as AJ Green is going to be on the field, he's going to get target share. Now, whether he actually does anything with that target share is another question because he was woefully inefficient. It was one of the worst efficiency receivers in the NFL last year. I mean, it was bad. Uh, but he's going to get that target share. Like, where is it going to go for Rondale Moore? Like, that's the thing to me. He is the fourth option at best in that offense. You know, he might have some a big game here or there. I just don't think he's going to have much of a fantasy impact in year one. And by the way, he's got an extensive injury history. He still has to overcome himself. There's one name I like, Chris, is Dwayne Eskridge. People think is the small guy. All these Rondale Moore, all these guys that got drafted. Uh, Tutu Atwell after this, of course, is not playing outside. Dwayne Eskridge, I believe the people I talked to said he could play outside. He could play all three positions. I think he could he could end up being way higher than this. I know Jamie has him as a rookie, and there's a ton of target share already going to, to Lockett and Metcalf. 
I think this kid could have a monster impact for them. That's what I like. And then the two second-year guys, can they make a step forward? And that's Rager and K.J. Hamler. Do they do anything in the positions that they're in really to be solid twos on their team? Can they do anything with that? Can we see some progress in year two? And what kind of quarterback play are we getting from them? Well, and that's the big thing, both those guys. Quarterback plays an issue. And, and at least with Rager, like, he doesn't have a ton of competition for targets. He's going to have Goddard. He's going to have Devonta Smith. But, you know, Kasia Hamler, you have Cortland Sutton. You have Jerry Judy. You have Tim Patrick. You have Noah Fant. You know, even Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. So there, there's a lot of options in front of him. And I don't like the quarterback situation. So he's somebody to me that if he's the last guy on your bench in a best ball format, I could see him having a couple big games where he has those three catches for, you know, a hundred yards and two touchdowns because he is a field stretcher wherever you put him, particularly in the slot. Um, he's a pretty, pretty vertical field stretcher in the slot as well, but there's just a lot of other competition around him for targets and inconsistent quarterback play to put it nicely. Tier nine, uh, Josh Reynolds, 92, Jalen Rager, 91, Marquise Callaway, 90, Tim Patrick, 89, Darius Slayton, 88, Rashad Bateman, 87, Deshaun Jackson, 86, Rashad Perryman, 85. And Jamie, there's a name here that I'd like to have a conversation about. Okay. The disrespect that you're putting on Rashad Bateman's name, putting him all the way down here at 87 on this list. I, I will remind you, 440 projected pass attempts. No, I, I get it. I understand and that that's... Brown and and... Uh, Mark Andrews are probably last year. They took almost 50% of the target share. Even it's probably gonna be closer to 45 this year, but there's just not that many targets to go around for these secondary options, regardless of what you think of their talent level. I, I guess my pushback would be, I don't necessarily think Bateman is going to be the third name in terms of target share, right? I think he is going oh, to, I, very... I, would, I would, I would do a bet on that. I'm yes. absolutely do a bet on this. hundred percent with Jamie on that one. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you want to do want to do want to do a podcast bet on this? Okay. So how targets do we want to that? He, how do that we want to is not top two in target share on, on the Ravens. We can make this pretty simple. Okay. Yeah. Done. Done. Okay. Done. Hundred percent. I'm in. Got me in on that one. Okay. So this is I, I don't Mark know how we'll, on theirs too. I don't know how we'll we'll do this, but yes, we will we will we will write this down uh, for this Bateman target share bet. Uh, this is okay. So I and I'm okay with that. I, I it's this is very much my bias of Rashad Bateman here, and I have no problem admitting that. I I just love him and I love the fit, and I think he's going to thrive I love the in talent. year one. I, I, I love I'm the not, kid. I hate the fit. Yeah, I it's hate like the, the ta- target volume and the, some of the other pieces they have there. I just from a fantasy perspective, I just don't think you're going to get much on a, Like the reality is, is what I ended up. I'm trying to see where I, I put his target share. You know, last year, I, I kind of stuck him around a 15% target share, which is, is really not bad. Uh, but the problem is 15% of 440 is the difference. And this goes back to the, and I'm sure we'll get into it more on either, probably not this show, but the next show. But with back to the conversation we had about Julio Jones of, you got to sometimes strip away talent for a second and go, what are the, how do these offenses operate? How much volume are these players going to get? And then what percentage of the volume? And that's how I put these together whether it's wide receivers or running backs, I look at how these offenses operate, where they distribute the volume of either carries or targets, and then try to slot players into those spots. I I love the talent, but I just don't think he's going to get a lot of opportunities from a fantasy perspective to display that talent on a consistent basis. Uh, Jake, anybody else in this tier nine category from 85 to 92 that you want to discuss before I go to tier eight and the 600 names that I have to read? No. Okay, so I want to talk about everybody in tier 10, tier 9. I'm like, yeah, keep going. So tier 8, and I'm not going to read all of these names. There are a lot of them. So if you're keeping track, you're following along with either Jamie's story on the draftnetwork.com, which he has all 100 listed. This goes from 70 to 84. So I'll give you that 70 is Kiki Kuti. 
and 84 is Kadarius Tony. There's a bunch of names in between. And one of the names in between, Jamie, that I'd like to talk about here is, is Henry Ruggs at 78. And I, I only bring this up because I agree with where you have him, the kind of range that you have him in. But I think a lot of people look at this Vegas situation and say, man, this should be where he takes that step forward. They're going to need somebody in that offense to take a step forward. Yet you have him at 78. So what is making you As not maybe make that connection? third highest grader. Third yes. lowest grader. So, um, look, I, I this is another player who I love the talent, but I'm going to be a little bit cautious heading into this year because they literally had no idea how to use him last year. And I'm not just all of a sudden going to just assume that he's going to take a massive step forward. The reality is, is his upside is higher than another guy in this tier, that's Hunter Renfro. But Hunter Renfro's floor on a weekly basis is at least playable, um, depending on the matchup. Where Henry Ruggs's floor is zero points. So there's that's the concern that I have with him. I believe John Brown is going to be the number one wide receiver in Las Vegas. I think he's going to be used in that role. He's going to kind of fill that. He's a little bit of a different receiver, but not that much. But he's going to be used in the Nelson Aguilar, Tyrell Williams. Again, those are all slightly different styles of receivers. But in terms of where I think the target share is going to be going, I believe while he is healthy, he's going to be the wide receiver one and the second pass catching option behind Darren Waller, of course. So then at that point, you're dealing with somebody on a weekly basis that could get you 20 points in Henry Ruggs or he can get you zero. And I think more often than not, I'm going to bet he's going to be in that single digit part until I see him and see how he is used and watch them get more creative with Henry Ruggs. I can't justify him any higher because as you talk about how big this tier is, there are a lot of, you know, like you could take a flyer on any of these guys or, or you could say, you know, depending on, do you need a high upside option? Do you need a high floor option? Do you want to see, you know, receivers that have a bigger role inside of their offense. There are all these kind of mix of players in this tier. I just can't trust what I'm getting from Henry Ruggs. Would I be shocked if he finished the year as like wide receiver 50? No. Would I be shocked if he finished as wide receiver 100? No. That's kind of where I'm splitting the difference here. There's two I want to bring up here, Chris, and that's back-to-back Christian Kirk and A.J. Green. Christian Kirk, I could see being a top 50 player. A.J. Green, I could see being out of the top 100. It's kind of the same thing you just said there, James, with, with Ruggs. Give me, give me your your thought process on those two. I mean, I that there's a lot. There's, there's one ball to go around. A lot of pass attempts. What we saw from AJ Green last year, nobody liked. Are we thinking he has a resurgence in Arizona? I'm not hearing that. That's the case. Christian Kirk's got to stay healthy. I'm sure that's part of your projections here. I mean, both these guys got to stay healthy, and, and I think that's the concern with both of them. I, I kind of figured I gave Christian Kirk essentially the slot targets from last year. Uh, and I gave A.J. Green the Christian Kirk targets from last year on the outside and kind of try to figure where they would be. You know, they both come in here uh, in my projections. I mean, they are very close uh, there. I believe over the full season, they're like a couple points apart. One of them has one more game played than the other. But I don't think any of these guys are going to be, you know, 85, 90 target players. Now, it's possible one of them gets hurt longer term. One of them gets, you know, spikes and stays healthy for a full season. Then they get a little bit bigger of a target share. That's kind of why I'm splitting the difference here with both of these guys being here. But I think they're both going to kind of be hanging around that 15, 16 percent target share when they're on the field, which, you know, Arizona's going to pass enough to make that at least worthy of having somebody on your roster. But I'm just not sure on a weekly basis, even even matchup base that they're going to be anybody you're really excited to play. I think they're always going to be barring an injury, particularly if there's an injury to Hopkins, which we have not seen before. Uh, and there's going to be some massive like target spike for a given game. They're always going to kind of be in the just outside of where you really want to play them in a weekly basis territory for me. 
anything else here in tier eight, Jamie? Okay, yes, I was going to ask you. Yes, go ahead. Well, there's two other names I, w- I want to bring up real quickly. One of them is Adam Humphreys. Um, he's a he's a sleeper of mine. He and Ryan Fitzpatrick have a connection uh, going back to their Tampa days. They also, if you remember before last year, I think I brought up on the show that Ryan Fitzpatrick at one point over a three-year span prior to last year targeted slot receivers more than any quarterback in the NFL. So it's something to kind of keep an eye on. I know he's, you obviously have Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel also there, Logan Thomas at tight end. But I do think Adam Humphreys, I'm going to take a flyer on a potential like high floor slot guy here in that same vein as a, as a Hunter Renfro. Uh, I'm intrigued by Adam Humphreys, and I think there could be a connection there that's kind of getting completely forgot about because of all the other pieces on that offense. So, again, not somebody you're sticking your lineup and you're starting on a weekly basis, but somebody that you can have on your bench and maybe be that high floor option just to get you by during bye weeks. And then the other name that I wanted to uh, bring up here just in the light of the Julio Jones trade is is Olamid Zacchaeus, uh, who I have here at wide receiver 77. Uh, you know, taking over that wide receiver three spot for Atlanta, at least at the moment. We'll see how that that battle plays out during training camp. But he can be in that like 12, 13 percent target share. You know, this is a guy that has been, you know, a pretty explosive player when they've given him those rare opportunities. If you remember, he had some pretty big games in the middle part of the season last year. You know, I think this could be a guy that is in that 500, 600 receiving yard type of range. Um, over you know a handful of games if he's able to get out there. So just another name I'm keeping an eye on now that with Julio Jones out of Atlanta. I'm going to throw one more at you, Chris, and that just quickly. I don't really care if we talk about him, but Denzel Mims is another one of these guys in this monster receiving class that we had last year's draft. None of them really did anything, right? T. Higgins was way, way superior for where his draft capital was to where he was, especially fantasy-wise, can he take another step forward? You're talking about one of these big, pretty guys. And this next year, we're going to jump up and talk about a rookie they took this year. Can Denzel Mims become a big play threat for the Jets and actually become, I guess, really the number one for them, right? I mean, that's another year two guy that needs to take a big step forward. So I I just want to kind of break this down really quickly before we enter uh, Tier 7. Jamie, your Tier 10 guys – are what you described in the story as priority UDFAs uh, in the fantasy football world, guys that might not necessarily get drafted, but after your draft, guys that you may want to target in terms of pickup. Uh, And then your tier nine guys, you described, I'm just going to read the first sentence of your story. This is the last tier that doesn't feel like 100% pure guessing. And I think that's a fair description of tier nine. And then tier eight, you described all of the guys that we just mentioned as guys that are going to get significant playing time, but it's up to them to kind of uh, take advantage of the opportunity and show their upside. So just to put into context how you're grouping these players, it's important yes. to note uh, as we enter tier seven, and there's a bunch of names in here. I'm on Ron St. Brown at 57, and this goes all the way back to wide receiver 69, John Brown of the Las Vegas Raiders, and we mentioned him uh, a little bit ago. Jake, you mentioned Elijah Moore. He comes in at 66 for the Jets. There's a lot of interesting names here. Emmanuel Sanders at 61 was one that, that, that stuck out to me, and Nelson Aguilar at 60 for New England. Just a couple of the names that when I'm looking at this tier that stand out to me. Jake, anything in particular you'd like to bring up here? $13 million for Nelson Aguilar. We got him at 61. You're going to pay him that. He needs to be inside the top 20 in fantasy and regular real life. I think Elijah Moore, if Jameson Crowder's gone, can be a lot higher than that. I mean, the stuff – I mean, be careful. We're all cautious to, like, how much we love guys in shorts and OTAs, but apparently he is lighting up every practice and flashing every single day for the Jets. I think he could be higher than that. I like where Jamie's got him now because I think there's going to be value there. Um, the rest of these guys, Jalen Waddell, another monster name, but, a lot, you know, who, a lot of – A lot of, lot of, lot of mouths to feed. 
exactly. and quarterback questions, but a lot um, of mouths to feed there in Miami. If you can get the number one option, if Derek Carr plays, I thought he was a top eight quarterback, not fantasy, top eight quarterback in the NFL last year. If he plays at that level and John Brown is the number one target, as Jamie said, 69 is phenomenal value for him. Well, we talked about that. Uh, the rest of these guys, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Buffalo is going to throw it a ton. There's a couple names on here that are really interesting to me. I mean, Manuel Sanders being at 61 is really interesting. Man, Michael Pittman at 59 now is standing out to me now that I look at it. Yeah, I, I mean, look, he's going to be – it's Indianapolis. How do you – what do you trust about the quarterback situation necessarily? Um, but, yeah, again – but understand at this point in a 12-team league, these are all now you, – you, this is a mix of wide receiver five and wide receiver six. So these are players that, you know, on some weeks are just outside of flex territory for you if everybody's playing. And, you know, for a few of these guys that I wanted to mention here, if, you know, if I'm on Ross St. Brown at 57 and Tyra Williams at 65, there's going to be fantasy value on the Lions. There's just there's going to be they're going to throw the ball a ton and it's not just you know there's somebody that's beyond DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson that are going to benefit um, on this team this year so uh, I like both those guys in ten, terms of where they can get volume wise Brown is more so the volume player where Tyro Williams is more of the take four or five targets a game and you hope he comes down with three of those catches and gives you a, a fantasy relevant performance you know and some of the other rookies on here too as you talked about Elijah Moore and Jalen Waddle. You know, I like more a lot. Again, you have want to see how that receiver situation shakes out in New York. Waddle, a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, you know, there's just there are other pieces here. Like there's just it's like I, I I describe this category as you know everybody will have a favorite or two in this tier, and you can make an argument for certain upside on certain players. But you know, you have guys that are in this case potentially number ones or number twos in, in the St. Brown, Tyrell Williams, Darnell Mooney, the number two in Chicago, Michael Pittman number two in Indy, Nelson Aguilar, the number one in New England. Uh, I think Sanders ends up being the number three in Buffalo, which is why I have him down here. But you got Alan Lazard, but again, he won't be here if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play. So you're kind of hunting for upside in this tier here. Um, this is it, It's kind of a weird one where I imagine everybody will look at this and they'll have a couple names that go, yeah, yeah, I'm targeting those players. But I think they're all kind of in this same grouping. Tier six. This is a shorter group, so I can read all these names. 56, Michael Gallup, 55, Russell Gage, 54, Michael Hardman, 53, Traquan Smith, 52, Tyron Johnson, 51, Jerry Judy, 50, Devontae Parker, 49, T.Y. Hilton, favorite, uh, fan favorite here on the show, and DJ Chark at 48. This is your tier six. Smaller tier than the cup, the two previous tiers that we just discussed. Jake, anything stand out to you? Well, we're getting in number one territory now. I mean, DJ Chark's the number one down there, T.Y. Hilton, Devontae Parker, uh, Jerry Judy's the number one. I mean, you're talking about the number one guys and the number one amount of volume share to still be in this tier. Uh, Russell Gage, I think, is really interesting. Jamie's been a favorite of Jamie's for the last couple of years. He's going to have to step up, but if he can step up into that number two role, could be monster target share for him, depending on what that offense looks like. I expect a big bounce back here for T.Y. Hilton, but of course, we're, we're putting a lot on Carson Wentz to make that happen. Going back to the Michael Pittman thing, T.Y. runs everything. T and Michael Pittman ran all those little underneath drags that they got so successful with. I don't know if that's going to really be the case with Wentz, but I think I expect a big, a big bounce back for T.Y. Hilton. And Devontae Parker, I don't know if it's going to be the same. I, we love this kid. He broke out with Fitz. Man, I'd have him probably around 30. With Tua and all these mouths to feed now, I don't I don't really know. That one's going to be interesting. That's a guy last year that I was circling in every draft as value that I don't know that I, I don't think I'm going to put him anywhere near that this year. If he's way down lower, then I'll say, oh, I'll take him and throw him as a bench option. But he's really solid as a value guy last year. I don't think you're getting the same value now. 
No, you're not. And again, it goes back to there's a lot of mouths to feed and you got to figure out where all this target distribution is going to go with some of the additional weapons that they have there. You know, I, I am, there's a few interesting names in this tier for me in particular. One of them is DJ Chark, who I think I'm a little bit lower on than most. And, and we'll talk about why. I think a, a big reason is I really am excited about what Marvin Jones can do in this offense. And I'm really high on what he's going to do. And, we, and LaVisca Chenault as well. So the target share has to get distributed somewhere or it has to come from somewhere. And I think it might come at the expense of DJ Chark. Um, you know, another player that's really interesting in this spot where I have him about 50 ranks or more higher than where he is uh, in the industry is Tyron Johnson. And, and that's one of my sleepers that I'm, I'm really pushing this offseason. I want to see who wins that wide receiver three battle uh, in Los Angeles because I think there's going to be plenty of volume there to be had, whether it's Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, whether they bring in somebody else. You know, with Hunter Henry gone, you know, uh, Jared Cook's not going to get the same volume that Hunter Henry got in that offense. So I'm excited to see where Tyron Johnson was a kind of a big play guy. Last year had almost 11 yards per target with Justin Herbert. If he comes up here and has that, you know, over the last six games, he had about 11.5% target share. If you take that, add a little bit more with with Hunter Henry gone, all of a sudden, even over, uh, you know, a 14-game season where I haven't projected, he could be a 70, 75 target type of a player. Um, and can really be a, a valuable bench piece for you in fantasy. And with Russell Gage, I, I took a look at what he was able to do, um, you know, last year without Julio Jones and gave him that 18 plus percent target share. And I, I do think he's going to be north of 100 targets this year. You know, the question is going to be, I, I do think they throw a little bit less than they have in the past. I, I've brought that point up before with Arthur Smith coming in. I don't think they're going to be this like, you know, this. 40 plus attempts per game, which is kind of where they've been over the last few years. But I still think Russell Gage is going to be a player that's going to spike depending on value. Not probably a big touchdown guy. And I think that might be the concern that you might only get a couple touchdowns, two or three touchdowns from him over the course of the season. So it kind of holds him back down just there a little bit. But he's definitely going to be somebody that uh, spikes into flex or even wide receiver three territory on a weekly basis, depending on the matchup. I believe that is it for tier six. Unless there's anything outstanding we can move I was just going to say, Traquan Smith is like a shrug emoji. Who the hell knows what the Saints offense is going to look like? Yeah. Like, I, I could see him being there. Or I can see him being like not on the list at all. I I don't I have no idea what we're getting from them. But he should step up with Emmanuel Sanders being gone. Tier 5, 47, LaVisca Chenault, 46, Devonta Smith, 45, Brandon Cooks, 44, Gabriel Davis, 43, Sterling Shepard, 42, Cortland Sutton, 41, Marquise Brown, 40, Odell Beckham Jr., 39, Let's stop Jarvis. There, Chris. Let's stop there for a second. So let's break because this is a big tier. Yeah, I, I started reading it and then recognized how big of a tier it was. That's on me. So this, so that's eight names right now. So let's go 40 to 47 just, just to recap. So Because the first name is one we're going to, I'm sure, I'm going to have to answer questions on for the third straight year in a row, even though I continue to be correct about it. Um, Odo Beckham Jr., 40. Hollywood Brown, 41. Sutton, 42. Sterling Shepard, 43. Gabriel Davis, 44. Brandon Cooks, 45. Devonta mm-hmm. Smith, 46. And LaVisca Chenault, 47. Yes. So I'll just get this Odo Beckham stuff out of the way. Again, uh, I feel like a broken record because it'll be the third year in a row that I have to remind everybody of this. Um, the... Uh, you know, 2016 was five years ago. I would like to remind everybody of that. So you can go check your calendars. Uh, he is not the same player. He is not in the same situation. And he is not going to be that fantasy god, for lack of a better phrase, that he was at the position when he was in New York. He gets a high percentage of target share. He's received exactly on the dot 25% of the target share when he's been healthy since joining the Browns. 
But again, I will remind you, this is a team that even over 17 games is probably going to be in the 520, 530 pass attempts range. Like this is not a team that's going to throw the ball 600 plus times, even with the extra game. So he's not, I don't have him projected to stay healthy. I have him down. I have him projected at 13 games, having a miss four, which I think is fair. I still think he's going to probably get a hundred targets in those 13 games, but his catch percentage with the, with Baker Mayfield hasn't been spectacular. You know, it's been down to that 55% range. He's been under eight yards a target with, with Baker Mayfield, about 4% touchdown rate. He's not this receiver that everybody remembers him being like that. He is not in an advantageous situation for him to be successful. He hasn't put up the types of numbers overall or the ratio types of numbers with Baker Mayfield that he did with Eli Manning. It just isn't the same. And his name value, because I see this every year and I've already seen it this offseason, there, there's all this talk about the upside, the upside of Odell Beckham Jr. Just imagine what happens with the upside. There isn't the same upside. That upside that people are imagining is a half decade old with a different team, a different situation, a different player, and a different quarterback. Like that upside does not exist. It doesn't exist. So stop chasing it. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Don't go chasing Odell Beckham Jr.'s f- fantasy upside that he has from New York. Okay. Just stop it. You get it, my boy. At Jamie stop Eisner on Twitter. Unbelievable. Down that there. freaking rationale. How right many there? years in a row do you have to get burned before people catch up on this? I, I don't get it. Get it, my boy. Get at him. That was so, there. We go. That, that was the first one. Since I okay. know, him. and then you dropped a chasing waterfalls reference, which was epic. So I don't. I listen. Is there anything else you want to just cut a wrestling promo on? Any other players in this tier that that, that at least in these these names that we're discussing here? No, because I kind of I kind of like some of these guys in this. <laughs> tier. Uh, I, I guess here, other names to just to note in this in this eight group, and we'll get to the rest of the tier. For example, uh, I still think Sterling Shepard probably leads the Giants in targets when he's healthy. Like I. I he is, he has a connection with Daniel Jones. He doesn't have the same upside as like a Kenny Galladay, for example, but dude's just solid. When he's on the field, he's solid. Gabriel Davis, I, I think he's going to take a step forward this year. It's a touchdown monster. I think he ends up being the, the number two in Buffalo behind Stefan Diggs. I'm really excited for Gabriel Davis this year. And then some other guys just to kind of keep an eye on, you know, look, uh, LaVisca Chenault, I think is going to get a little bit lost in the shuffle there. there. He's going to get used. And I think he's going to be a player that's going to have probably a pretty solid floor. And I think you're going to like what you get game. from him. Yeah, he has well, to. And that's been, a big injury history, but I love. Oh player. yeah. Massive injury history going back to Colorado. So like, I mean, that, that is something you have to consider and there are a lot of mouths to feed there, but when he plays, I think he's got a high floor, uh, but his injury history is why he's down in this spot. of this like low end wide receiver four. And again, don't ignore some of these guys. Like, I think you're going to get enough value to be a flex territory for certain guys in Houston, like Brandon Cooks. Like, obviously, it's not what it was going to be if Deshaun Watson was the quarterback, and we don't know what that situation is going to end up being there. But just don't ignore him completely. Like, no, is he a weekly starter? No. But is he a bench option that you can have in a certain matchup that Tyrod Taylor looks to? Yeah, he is still worthy to me of a top 50 wide receiver selection. And I will make a mention, Jamie, and, and I'll use this segue to read the rest of this list. You had Sterling Shepard at 43. You don't have Kenny Galladay all that much higher. He comes in at 34, and he's in this same tier. 39, Jarvis Landry, 38, Will Fuller, 37, Cole Beasley, 36, Robbie Anderson, 35, Chase Claypool, 34, Kenny Galladay, 33, Corey Davis, and 32, Curtis Samuel. And I got to tell you, Jamie, I, there are f- at least four or five of these guys in this tier that if I can get on my team for next season, I'm going to be thrilled about. The first two names on the list, Curtis Samuel and Corey Davis, 
Davis. Uh, Robbie Anderson in, in Carolina, I think, is is due for a big season there with the way that that, that offense is going to look uh, with year two of Joe Brady. There's just a lot to like in this tier. Yes. Well, now we're starting to get to weekly starters. You know, you're starting to get to guys that you're going to play every single week in a flex spot, maybe a wide receiver three spot. Uh, guys could even spike into wide receiver two, given the matchup. So we're now we're starting to get into, OK, these players are not, you know, guys that might not have to come out of your lineup too often. So uh, let's talk about Kenny Galladay, for example, because I know I'm way lower on him than consensus. And, and I want to kind of explain why he's my wide receiver 34. And it's interesting because he's a player in the past that I've always been pounding the table for. And now all of a sudden I'm not. And, and I kind of want to explain target share is going to make a difference here. And I, I looked at last year for the Giants, their number one receiver had about an 18.5% target share. I think that's going to be a little bit higher for Kenny Galladay. I gave him a 20% share, but that still kind of puts him at 110 targets. You know, he's, he's taking a downgrade at quarterback. There's, there are more weapons in volume there in New York right now than he dealt with in Detroit at that period of time. Uh, I don't think he's going to have the same sort of touchdown production in New York that he had in Detroit, which I think is the big thing that probably hurts him here. I still think he's a thousand yard receiver. I still think he's going to be in that like 65 catches, 110 ish targets type of receiver, but I don't think he's going to be in the upper single digits or double digit touchdowns this year, which kind of puts him back in this big range where I'm probably not going to have many shares of him given his ADP, but I don't really think he's somebody that I look at and say, yeah, he's a wide receiver too or better. I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry. Just go back to the Odo Beckham Jr. thing for a second. He's the guy you want in that offense if you're going with those two. I love that you got those two back-to-back. One's got some upside, but Jarvis Landry finished the season last year really strong. Chemistry Baker Mayfield. You know, Corey Davis is interesting because I just mentioned Denzel Mims having to step up, and they're basically the big, same monster, beautiful dude getting off the bus kind of guy. But my God, did the Jets redo their freaking receiver? Mm Mm-hmm. Like if Jamison Crowder is still on that team with Elijah Moore, with Corey Davis, with Denzel Mims, man, that is interesting. It's not going to come out that way. I like where you've got him, but he's got to play to the level he was at last year. He could be in the 70s or 80s if Denzel Mims comes on and, and kind of takes over that role. Uh, Chase Claypool, I mean, I don't know what the hell we're getting out of Pittsburgh. I love what I'm hearing from Ben about this offense is going to look totally different. I think they're going to run the ball a lot more. I know the Roonies want to run the ball a lot more. The fans want to run the ball a lot more. Uh, and then Cole Beasley is the interesting one, James. Always puts up is numbers. Is he going to end up the fourth guy in Buffalo, according to what we've talked about so far? No, because I think there's always going to be – like, to me, I think the fourth guy ends up being Sanders, if that happens. Like, I, I just think Cole Beasley is just the steady eddy of that offense. Like, you always look up and, you know, nobody again, you're never going to be excited about drafting Cole Beasley – but all the dude does is give you high floor flex level production on a weekly basis every single week. Like that's it's just every week you look up and go, oh, look, Cole Beasley's on the, the top pickup on the waiver wire. Oh, look, it's Cole Beasley's got a good matchup again. It just I can't deny it. I can't deny the workload that he's going to get. And I think he again, given his connection with, with Josh Allen, that's partly why I have Emmanuel Sanders down there. What I believe 61, Chris, is that. I look at the players that they have there, and if I have to push one out of the equation, it's not going to be Diggs. I don't think it's going to be Cole Beasley, and I don't think it's going to be Gabriel Davis, who I expect to take another step forward. I think if somebody has to lose target share toward the back part of the season, if everybody is healthy, it's probably going to be Sanders. Now, odds are not everybody's going to be healthy all season, but in that case, I think Sanders is probably the odd man out or the fourth man in this kind of conversation for fantasy purposes. 
And can we just have a quick uh, Cortland Sutton discussion? Um, sure. Because, Jamie, I like where you have him because I think it's it's a question mark of what he is coming back from, from the injury. But, boy, do I think the ceiling is a lot higher than this. And if I can get him in this kind of tier that we're talking about right now, I, I think this uh, – Jake, you're, you're making faces at me. Uh, they're, Man, they could get an upgraded quarterback pretty soon. I, yeah, if that happens, then yes. I love this kid, but he's a big dude. He does a lot of back shoulder stuff, a lot of stuff where you have to twist off that knee coming off an ACL. It's not the running back position. It's a little bit different being a receiver with an ACL, but you're probably still playing with a brace. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. He's still the number one guy. I think Jerry Judy becomes the number one guy, but he's still technically the number one dog in that room. I like where you got him. He could be higher than that, but I, I just, man, that just scares me. And I don't know that we're getting an upgraded quarterback. He is going higher than this. I'm not taking him higher than this. And, and here's right. my conversation with Cortland Sutton. And again, this goes back to the the divide you have to make as a fantasy manager that that is that knows the sport, which most of our, if not all of our listeners do, of separating talent from fantasy production and understanding the situation that he's in and making those two evaluations independent of each other. That's why no, your numbers are so good. Sorry to cut you off, but that's no, why your numbers take that exact thing you're talking about. It takes the fandom out. If they want to actually read why you broke it down, it's perfect because it takes the fandom out. Don't draft your favorite player. Draft the guy that you're actually, the numbers say, are going to put put the points on the board for you. And it's important for me too because I look at a lot of these rankings and I go, this is like, because I looked at my preseason rankings, which were done, you know, I looked at numbers, but I didn't do my full projections. And I look at these and I go, wow, I never would have ranked this player here if I, was, if I didn't do this. And I think that's where this exercise is important. But with Cortland Sutton, I think th- th- you have to consider, A, obviously coming off off the ACL. Two, you have to consider now there's a true complement to him that wasn't there when he left. And, and Jerry Judy being there and and ascending as he becomes that that top talent there. So there are really two wide receiver ones, for lack of a better phrase, for the Broncos going into the year. You know, you look at – he's only really played – about a half dozen games with Drew Locke. So we don't have a huge sample size of what Cortland Sutton can be. He was around 23.6% target share in that time. I think that drops to closer to 20 or 21%. Again, I think he's a 100-plus target player, but I don't think he plays a full season. He doesn't have a good catch percentage with Locke, even in that stretch. It's down at 55%. So you have to be like... if Aaron Rodgers is there, this is a different story. And if Aaron Rodgers is there and now he's and we're in 2023 or excuse me, 2022, and now he's another year removed from ACL, whole different story. But there are just too many things that are coming together for me that say I, I'm just not going to take him. I'm not going to take him in a fantasy draft where his real life talent would put him. And I think yeah. there's that's the thing that is there's a struggle right now. I think with expert rankings. And with ADP, if they look at the talent of Cortland Sutton and they're not necessarily looking at all of the external situational factors that are surrounding him, because while Teddy Bridgewater may or may not be an upgrade over Drew Locke, it's not massive. I don't think we're looking at a situation for fantasy production that if Teddy Bridgewater takes over, all of a sudden that all these receivers are going to shoot up the board. They might get a a little bit of a boost, but they're not going to like rocket. Now, if they get Aaron Rodgers, it's a different story, but I can't project that right now. And we had that conversation between the hashes. Cortland Sutton plays outside the hashes. I talked about all the back stories. I think to your point, Chris, if you get him here, you're feeling like you got some value in Cortland Sutton. Exactly. The talent and upside is still there. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I like where Jamie's got him because I think there is value there, but there's enough question marks that you're not going to put him higher than this. And 
cheap plug. We kind of did that conversation, right? Go back and listen to the Aaron Rodgers Butterfly Effect episode in which we explored what Aaron Rodgers moved to a bunch of different teams would do. And Denver was one of the first teams we did. And it changed a lot about how we felt about the receivers in Denver and where they they finished. So if you're interested in a longer conversation about that, go find that episode. I think it was like two or three weeks ago uh, that we had that conversation. Uh, Guys, that's it. We got to tier five a little bit quicker than I anticipated. Are there any other names that we want to quickly discuss before we get out of here? The next guy on the list but I guess I'll save it. Have to save it. Save no, it. For no, no, no. You can't. No, you, that's that's for Monday. That's for Monday. Don't they call so, that a teaser? That is a teaser. Uh, yeah, that is a teaser. So, but sure. but I'll talk, I want to talk about a couple other guys on this list just because there are some interesting names there. At fifty-four, I've got Miko Hardman. Um, I want to see with Sammy Watkins gone. There's going to be some what? what you went back to tier six. We were in tier five. That we uh, well, aren't we ending the show? Can I go back to like whatever you, ones I you want? You can, but I set it up as anybody else in tier five that we want to discuss. I end I every tier by to saying, the words you say. You should go back well, to being clear, on mute. Clearly, you heard this. Do what you want. I like. Yeah. I like this. Michael Harmon talk, Rick. Uh, Michael Harmon, uh, because he's going to be somebody that is gets talked up a lot. You know, I think he's going to get a little bit more of it. Obviously, he had a 10.2% target share when healthy last year. He's going to get a boost to that. But, you know, to me, he's he's somebody that I'm going to like in best ball because I actually haven't projected to be to be a seven-touchdown player. Like, I think he's going to have some interesting big weeks, but I don't think you're going to get consistent production from him. So if you're in a best ball league and you just kind of have to look up, you know, at the end of the year and kind of see who had, who had spike weeks, I think he's going to have be a player that you want to target. On a weekly basis, he's going to be for like regular fantasy leagues. I think he's going to be a frustrating player to roster. Um, he's going to have some big weeks that you're going to want to throw him in there, but there's going to be some times where you look at him and you go, you know, he's going to be out there and get you three targets and one catch. And there are going to be some weeks where he gets you four catches and two touchdowns. So uh, my projection for him puts him right around 50 catches, 800 yards and seven touchdowns. I just think the path to get there is going to be, uh, not the most fun ever for fantasy managers. Um, as I looked at some of these other names that I put on here in different spots, and I'm sorry, I'm going between tiers, Chris. I know that really breaks your heart there. Um, a couple other names to kind of keep an eye on. Down at 82, we start to be more in sleeper mode at this point. Van Jefferson, um, I want to see who emerges as that third option in LA. Deshaun Jackson hasn't been able to stay healthy for a full season in a long time. Uh, I don't. I will go to my grave not understanding the two-two Atwell selection or fit on this team. Um, so I don't think he has much of a year-one impact. But I do think Van Jefferson is a player that can play pretty much anywhere on the field. He can win on the outside. Can win inside. He does a lot of things well. He's just a really solid player all around. I will can remind he, you when we're talking about him how much they like him. His dad, yeah. Sean Jefferson, the receiver coach for the Cardinals, played 12 years in the league. He's a pro. He grew up with that. He's very well-rounded when it comes to that, Jamie, and they love him. Yes. So while you're and talking about that, and the Tutu Atwell thing is, eh, I think Van Jefferson's there if they trade one of the big two and have to well, move some of this stuff around for the cap. But they love him. I, that's a good one. I'm glad you brought that up. And you start thinking about situation for him. He gets to move up one in the rotation where Josh Reynolds gone, and he got an upgraded quarterback. So I think those are two things that you go as guys that are kind of flying under the radar, somebody that I'm very, very intrigued by in that tier you know, and then, then uh, you know, another couple names to bring up one at number 90, just a flyer Marquez Callaway. You know, I think you start to look at, you know, what, what that offense looks like in New Orleans. I don't know what it's going to be, but there is going to be some value there for the number two and number three receivers, no matter who they end up being. You know, Callaway is a player that I looked at in particular. And then the last one I want to touch on a little bit was 92 Josh Reynolds, because he's the one of the guys that dropped because of the Julio Jones trade. I dropped him from 66 to 92 still think he's worthy of being on your radar, 
And I think he's going to have some, some value. What if, you know, if, and when Julio Jones starts to miss time, but I think he's going to kind of be put back into a very similar situation that he was with the Rams, where he's not going to be fantasy relevant until he gets to move up one spot in the rotation with somebody out in front of him. So he went from a player that I was really intrigued by having in the middle of my bench to a player that, you know, you could probably leave uh, on the waiver wire until Julio, until and unless Julio Jones gets hurt. One other name I want to bring up is Devonta Smith. We didn't bring up the Heisman Trophy winner. We didn't bring up the number one guy in Philly and a guy that can beat press man, that can get open there on a team that's going to have to throw. Now, what do the throws to him look like? One of the biggest reasons I'm sure you got him at 46, but I think it's a name we have to bring up and talk about quickly here. He's definitely the number one option. He can beat yes. press man. He can beat zone. He's got a lot of nuance to his game, catches everything, run after the catch is solid. Yes, he's a little guy, but he's one of the guys that plays bigger than that because you can't really get him at the line of scrimmage. He can shake you. I don't know what I'm getting at the quarterback position. Yes, they played yes. together, but he was a sophomore, and that's the year Tua came in, and I don't really know. I like where you got him here, but I think there could be some value there because the player I think is a stud. I just don't like the fit. Correct. And, and with, with Devonta, I think this is where this is the case of where I'd feel comfortable at 46. Like, I think he's he could easily be a wide receiver three. Like, I would not be shocked by that if he ends up being there. Uh, I do have him having the, the plurality of the target share there in Philadelphia. He gets slightly more than Dallas Goddard. So he's going to be, at least in my projections, the number one target uh, share player on the Eagles, as he should be. My concern is just going to be I don't love the quarterback play. Um, so I, I think he is, his efficiency is going to be hurt by it. I still think he's going to flirt with 900, excuse me, 900 to a thousand yards could be a 60 plus catch guy, six touchdowns, which is really good. Like there are going to be weeks where he's starting caliber for you. I just think it's just going to be very chaotic and I just don't trust the quarterback situation there. So I would not be surprised if he finishes as a wide receiver three this year. And I think he's got all the talent too. I just don't, don't love the quarterback situation there for, in terms of his fantasy value. Anything else before I give my spiel about next week? Uh, let me see as I scroll through here. Do, 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 do. I'm probably good. Maybe okay. not. All right. We'll make a, a bonus addendum to the show if in post you decide that there's we something else. We can talk else. about all of these players. So now it's more of just like which ones do I not – do I need to like – point out specifically well that's what the you know that's what the q a thing for is at the True. end right if there's anybody that, that we miss that people want to discuss remember tweet uh, at the show at td and fantasy we're doing the q a show all the way at the end of this process where we we ask your we answer your questions uh we'll probably discuss more players and more questions on that episode as well so at td and fantasy on twitter for that jamie where can everybody follow you on social media follow me at jamie eisner on twitter at jamie eisner tdn on instagram jake all your hate mail to Jamie Eisner for Lodell Beckham Jr. You can follow me at Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. Ah, no hate mail for me this week. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Uh, Thedraftnetwork.com is where all of these uh, projections and rankings are posted. Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong. I looked on the site this morning. Tight ends are up. Yes. So right now, as of today, you have all of the four major position groups. When do we get the defensive backs. players? When does that uh, project? Um, well, when do those come out? I guess I can announce this. If you want to see my defensive rankings, uh, and by the way, you will have I will have defensive and kicker rankings as we get closer to the season. But there's no real projections to make for them. You actually can see some of them when I reveal my top 200, and we're going to do a top 200 reveal show at the end of the month, a live video show where we go over my top 200, and we it's it's going to be very fun. And there will be some kickers and defenses that make their way 
into that top 200 at the end of the month. But if you want to get a sneak peek of where they are right now, your boy has his rankings up on Fantasy Pros. So I am inside of the expert the expert consensus rankings this year. They have updated on there. Uh, both full PPR and half PPR rankings are updated there. So if you want to, you know, if you, you go on Fantasy Pros and you look at all the expert rankings, you can check, you know, you can pick your experts, check your boxes. Uh, you'll be able to see my rankings there right now and my weekly rankings there throughout the season. So you can check that out as well. And keep in mind for the rest of the month on the website, Starting on Monday, my full quarterback projections will be released on the website. So obviously, you've got a sneak peek of them already on the show as we've discussed them, but you'll be able to view them in full later that week, next week, wide receiver projections. The following week, running backs and tight ends. And then at the moment, Sunday, June 27th, uh, time to be determined will be the top 200 rankings for real show. Hopefully, they told you about this, Chris, because I believe you're hosting it. I have to go have a conversation with some people uh, to see what I'm doing on June 27th because I have not been told uh, about this at all. Uh, so uh, that's going to do it for us because I apparently have a meeting to go attend <laughs> in, which to I, in which I need to uh, figure out what I'm doing. So uh, Jamie mentioned it, thedraftnetwork.com, where you can find all of this content underneath the Fantasy tab. Everybody, have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.